Hi, this is Mo Maduro with the Life Expansion After 50 podcast. Today we're talking about the mental area, the first of the seven fitness areas. I'll go through each one in turn over the next few episodes. Now, the mental area is the most important, in my opinion, because it's the first line of defense. It's where the conscious mind gets to choose, and how you choose, what you do, and how you do it impacts the remaining six areas, and how you manage those seven areas in total impacts quality of your life. And And if what we're looking for is health, wealth, love, and relationships, then what we do in the mental area matters. What I'll be talking about here are some distinctions just to help us understand it because I don't think that people need a guru. I think what we need to do is learn to be our own guru. So what I want to do is unpack how these areas work and what, I, what I've done was keep it in the physical realm sense. Now that was not to say there's not energetics, there's not a spiritual realm, but I want to keep it accessible and by keeping it something that's t- tangible, those folks who are not as into looking at the supernatural, so to speak, it makes it more tangible. And when you take care of the, the physical and the, the mental and the physical, you're going to have the benefits of those other areas anyway. And you still have the option to, to delve into them as you like. Now, the role of the conscious mind has to do with decision making and choice. As I said, the power of choice, creativity, and awareness. I want to make the distinction between the conscious mind and the unconscious. And it's, you'll notice that I don't use the word unconscious and mind together. I don't call it an unconscious mind. And that's deliberate because I don't want to raise the unconscious to the level of the mind. The mind is able to create, it's able to look into the future, it's able to look into the past, it's able to focus on purpose, it's able to make distinctions, it's able to look into the infinite field of possibilities, whereas the unconscious is essentially associations. It's neural pathways that are firing and wiring, 100 billion neurons firing and wiring, which is why I went through that series of episodes where I was talking about the unconscious and making some declarations, neuroscience agreed declarations. So we understand that the unconscious is not the same as the mind. So having that said, the conscious is where, the conscious mind is where we get the power of choice. Too often people are reacting. And as a matter of fact, I would say somewhere around age 35, where we turn most of our lives over to the unconscious is when that begins. And you've heard it said before, 95% of the time, the unconscious is running the show. If you look at how much people like to learn new things after age 35 or 40, you'll see that it flattens out. Going up to 30, 35, there's a nice steep learning trajectory. Keep learning new things and trying new things. And then somewhere it kind of levels out. It's also the time where a lot of people are raising families, so there's a legitimate reason. But at the same time, that leveling out ends, takes you to a place where you're 50, 55 years old and you really haven't advanced much from when you were 35. And worse is that we're running off the unconscious and the unconscious is just continue. And unfortunately, we've been letting the unconscious run the show and the con- unconscious is not a creative entity. It's essentially recreating uh, a bunch of yesterdays over and over and over. So our tomorrows... Don't become that much more than the yesterday, but as we engage the conscious mind and we move into a be, do, have, and we're using the, exercising the power of choice, now you can start to live the life that you're designing. If you design a life and try to live it, but you're being run by the unconscious, it's almost impossible to do that because the unconscious only knows to run 
the program that's already existing. And most of that programming happened from zero to seven, tweaked between eight and 19, and then again up to 26 when we got out 20 billion additional neurons. But by and large, it's running the same program. So we definitely want to take a look at that. Now you can rewire the unconscious for the automaticity that serves you rather than just running the program. So the unconscious is, has a lot of power. You, you've heard the 11 million bits per second, that processing speed, whereas the, whereas the conscious mind has a reaction time of two tenths of a second to se seven tenths of a second. So by the time we're into the reaction time of the conscious mind, the unconscious is often running with its reactionary kind of behavior. And those neurons are firing and wiring, it's looking for danger, and then it's sending you conscious mind signals about all these dangerous things that it's finding. So we want to rewire that. We want to rewire it in a way that it serves us. And as you think about how it serves you, so it's looking at things like beliefs, your mindset, habits, and even the emotions, emotions you tend to honor, which emotions you're going to just let run through. All of these things have an impact in, in your life. The awareness of the powerful present moment is another one. I, I think this is a very, very important point because each moment, and if you think about a moment, obviously it's less than a second, but there's what, 86,000 seconds in a day, and so we're awake 60 to 60,000 seconds. How many of those are being run by the unconscious versus how many are we having that powerful present moment where we're bringing together mind, thought, and consciousness in a pure kind of form so that we can actually create, so that you can design the life that you want and then live that life that you want. We can take charge of those moments and start firing and wiring other neurons together. So we're starting to change that program. We can get into interrupting existing patterns, but I will tell you that replacing habits is not as hard as you think. It's creating new associations and not running the old associations. It's not that it's difficult, it just takes attention. Journaling helps, but I think spending a little bit of time in mental rehearsal goes a long way. The other thing you could do is what we call implementation intention. So you put yourself into a future situation with a predetermined response to that situation. So now, when that situation occurs, it's not unfamiliar, and unfamiliarity sort of triggers the unconscious into reactionary behavior. Because it's familiar, you've already rehearsed it, and you already have a response for it, the automaticity of the unconscious actually does what you wanted it to do. Asking the program to reprogram itself is a non-starter, but your conscious mind can reprogram the unconscious by examples of what I just said, implementation intentions. There's other things you can do of rehearsing certain events or triggers that you know are going to happen, but instead of allowing it to just go willy-nilly, you're actually teaching the unconscious real-time how you want to respond. So you bring up the trigger, and then you rehearse the response that you actually want. And you'll know it takes about six weeks, two or three times a day, three to five minutes, and you'll actually start to see that your reactions are more like what they would want. So let me give you an example of how this can play out for you to make it real. So I have a course, a motorcycle course for street safety, taking performance riding skills and applying it for street safety. And the objective is to take some of the best practices from the track where we're riding at the margin and apply them on the street where you're not on the margin. So you actually have more flexibility in what you can do 
and then getting the motorcycle to do things on purpose based on what you want for your safety to avoid accidents, etc. Now, one of the things that I talk about in that course is that you know we have a two to seven tenths reaction time, and it's probably going to be a half a second reaction time. If somebody pulls out and you're not expecting it, that's a good half a second reaction time just before you can start applying the brakes. If you're anticipating it, you can get it closer to that three tenths, maybe even two tenths of a second. But you're still going through the conscious process. First, you've got the eyes pick it up, and then you have to see it with the brain. And so you've lost some milliseconds there. And then by the time you can actually act, you're into, like I said, three, four, five tenths of a second. So in the course, it's focused on deep practice. And it's about drilling, drilling the behavior. So you're practicing emergency braking and doing the maneuver. You imagine a car pulls out, you practice the emergency braking, and you do the maneuver. You ride, you turn the bike, or you steer the bike, I should say, to where that car was. Chances are the space behind the car is going to be empty because the car just left it. But you want to drill that. And the reason I'm that I use that example is because there's so many examples on YouTube where the person slam, squeezes the brakes and they do what they do in a car, which is straighten out their arms and just go straight at the vehicle and they hit the vehicle. Whereas they slow down enough to make a turn behind the car, but because they haven't drilled it, the unconscious is doing what it knows. I think that's a good example to illustrate how the unconscious just runs what it knows. But if you teach it something new, so in the parking lot, you're imagining a car pulls out, you're using the, the parking lines, etc. for reference points. You imagine a car pulls out at a certain place, you squeeze the brakes, you release the brakes, and you make your turn. Now, look at that compared to leadership. Leadership is the opposite. I don't want reaction in leadership. I don't want reaction when I'm coaching someone. What I want is to be able to be thoughtful, look at the different pieces of that puzzle, take some time. Now, by taking that time and letting it ruminate a little in my head, I'm actually using my unconscious to my advantage because the unconscious is pulling up different references and I can scan very quickly my total knowledge or you know a large part of my knowledge about that particular topic and then come up with the right response or the right question or the right next step. So I think of it as circling. So I think it's very, very important to get into the habit of having a point of view, but I don't think we want to get to the point of view through a reactionary process. What we want to do is I use the example of circling uh, in a plane. So if you were going to land on a field and you, you hadn't been on that field before, grass field, you're going to circle. And you're maybe the first time you're looking for holes and depressions. You want to see how smooth it is, if there's any ruts or anything like that, ditches that you have to pay attention to. Maybe you circle again and you're looking for, are there any animals or shrubbery that might cause a problem, that might get in the way of the propeller, those kinds of things. But my point is you're circling. Now by circling and keeping a wide view, so think about it. The conscious mind is making the decision to not just land, but to circle. The conscious mind is making the choice and decision to have a wide view, not a pinpoint view because you'll miss things. By having a wide view, the unconscious can pick up more. And by circling with the wide view, the unconscious is processing 11 million bits per second. It will find some things that you may not have seen with the conscious mind. That's just an example, again, of how we can use the conscious mind to put the unconscious to work for us. I'll give you one more example. There's a book called The MacGyver Secret. And this is written by the, I believe it's the director of the uh, TV show MacGyver. 
And for those of you who don't know, MacGyver would always come up with some kind of contraption to deal with whatever problem. He could always come up with some sort of a makeshift solution for whatever situation he was in. And this gentleman, Les, is a lot tough. It's a lot tough. But it's the MacGyver secret. And it's on Scrib. I think it's on Audible as well. What he talks about is he will give his unconscious a problem to solve. So he articulates the problem, he writes it down, and he's actually interacting with his unconscious like it's a person. And there's a lot of that in NLP also, where you can talk to your unconscious like it's a person, and it responds. It's almost like talking to AI or, or giving AI prompts. But he gives his unconscious a problem to solve. And then he goes out and does something completely unrelated. He'll ride his bicycle, he'll go for a walk, he'll just go out, hang out with friends, he'll go out to, to eat. He does something. He just gets away from it altogether. And he gives his unconscious a deadline. Like, I'll come back at 7 p.m. tonight to get the answer, or I'll come back tomorrow. Now, I did a similar thing, and it works really, really well. What I use is I have a big flip chart, and I'll write the issue that I'm wanting to solve. I'll write that issue out on the, on the, the flip chart. And I'll go out, ride a bicycle, do a motorcycle ride, whatever, take some, get my head off, you know, onto, into something else, come back, and sure enough, you have responses, your unconscious gives you responses. Now, it's going to take maybe some time, some iterations, you have to trust it, and you, you know, it's, it's so fractal, this stuff, um, and I, I hate to talk about the unconscious like it's a person, but it seems that's the, that's the way it makes sense. But just like you wouldn't offend somebody who's giving you an idea or, a f or feedback, you're not going to want to offend your unconscious. What happens is when you thank your unconscious for coming up with a great idea, you're actually releasing dopamine. And dopamine builds the habit. And as you build the habit, it gets better and better and better. When you give negative feedback or when you judge, you're, release, you're decreasing serotonin. It's like a, a, it takes you back a little bit. It takes you down a notch. And so you don't want to do that. You want to release the dopamine and start building the habit. So those are some examples of using the conscious mind to use the unconscious to your benefit using automaticity.